When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pittsburgh Steeler fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Harbin, editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com with you for another episode of The Standard is the Standard. That's right, the BTSC flagship podcast. We've been doing it for years. I think this is like our sixth year, right? I don't know. Anyways, my co-host is We've been counting six years for like six years, (laughs) so it might be our 12th year, actually. (laughs) You know I'm not good with numbers, all right? I'm a speller. I do. You're you're the number guy. (laughs) Well, you count sets well. Like, yeah, you know I do. Set, it's like simple. I, absolutely. That's <laughs> yes. right up my alley. And you can count calories. I can. And macronutrients and all that stuff. What's going on, Lance? How are you doing? Hey, man, you know, I just want to count my macronutrients. So that's how <laughs> I feel. <doing. laughs> oh, well, that's a discussion. Man, every time we go on a show together, you're always bringing up nutrition. I feel like you want me to do a nutrition podcast. I can have you on. You can just ask me whatever questions you want. You brought up the TB12 method last time. Yeah, nightshade, and, baby. Nightshade. Yeah. You're learning. You're yes, learning something yes. every day. My fingers don't look like oh. sausage this week. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So with all that said, let's get to the news. And right now, this is being recorded on Wednesday, tomorrow, Thursday, in prime time for the first time is the NFL Scouting Combine. And we're going to get to that. But to me, when the NFL Scouting Combine comes up, or as it's been called, the Underwear Olympics, uh, when the underwear Olympics rolls around, it's when the draft season starts. Yes, there were all-star games. It was the the Shrine Bowl and the East-West and all that stuff. Those are all great. But it's when this combine starts, that that's when people really start targeting on specific players. But before we get to the combine, and before we get to Kevin Colbert's comments, I want to ask you the headline question. Do you think Steeler fans, or maybe just you individually, let's start with just you. Are you still excited for the draft, considering the Steelers don't have a lot of draft capital? They don't have a first-round draft pick. I know you're not a draft guy anyways, but you do follow what the Steelers do in the draft. What are your thoughts? Ironically, I'm probably even more interested in the draft than normally. Because they don't have a first-round pick, I'm really interested in what they do and how they maximize the draft. So in a weird way, I'm more interested. I'm I'm more interested in the (laughs) quality of the second-round pick that they actually find. So I might actually watch the draft because I really want to see what they do with limited picks and with no first-rounders. So it's it's a bit of an intrigue because they don't have a first-rounder for me this year. For those that are watching live on YouTube, you saw me shaking my head and laughing as Lance was talking. It's it's probably because, like I started the show with, we've been doing this for like six or seven years. I honestly can, I and at this point, I might as well just blindfold myself and throw darts against the wall when I try to predict what Lance is going to say. Because <laughs> I, I would have guaranteed to put money down that Lance was going to say, man, the draft is the draft. Half these guys are going to be busts anyways. It doesn't matter. And then what does he do? He comes out and says, they don't have a first-round pick. I'm really excited. What? That doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> yes, it's it's it's, it's because um, unless you're really bad, there, there there are a lot of teams 
that don't do well drafting, right? I'm I mean, it, it, it's, it's well, yes, <laughs> yeah. There, there's a lot of teams whose first rounders, you know, you'll have them with six or seven first rounders, and none of them are on the franchise, none of them on a team. But the one thing you can pretty much guarantee it, except for El Busto, Kevin Colbert in a first round pick it is pretty solid. Like there's nothing really sexy or exciting about that. Well, hold on a second. First there, round picks. A, the first round picks are pretty solid. Now there's a range. He did pick Artie Burns. He that's within that range, right? That's it. That's in that confidence <laughs> interval. That's in that range. But then you know you give him twelve. Good Lord, how big is the picks. range, man? How big is the range? You're going from T.J. Watts to Artie Burns. That's a gigantic range. But then you had T.J. You had Bud. I mean, you had uh, you had Wreck It Ralph. I mean, you got Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, yeah. I mean, he's hit some. Oh, he's yeah. hit some guys. So it pretty much he's solid in the first round. Where the interest with Colbert is, is in the later rounds is, is can he find those gems and those jewels in the later rounds? And, and with no first round pick, I just want to see how good Kevin Colbert is. You know, can this second round pick be as good as a first round pick and really be cheap? And can they hit that proverbial home run in the draft with limited draft capital and with the second round pick? Just how good is Kevin Colbert? So I just want to see. This is really a prove-it year to me from a from a player evaluation perspective because he doesn't have the security of that first-round pick. He has to put his money where his mouth is, and I just want to see if Kevin Colbert is that dude that Steeler Nation has faith in. 98671X says, Lance, Lance sounds optimistic. Mar- optimistics, mark it down. 520, mark the tape. Optimism coming from Lance Williams. That is scary. Steelers, hey, if you ever want to change our show, Steeler Tank gave us a good title. He said it's the Mike Tomlin and Sean Sweesham show. <laughs> that's pretty fun. <laughs> that is pretty good. I had to put that. I saw that. I was like, I got to put that in there somewhere. Okay. That, that, that's, that's pretty So fun. when you talk about first round picks and you and you talk about, I, I feel personally that Kevin Colbert, you know, you said he's really good in the first round. I'm not going to disagree. He's hit on more than he's missed. We'll put it that way. But He's really good at drafting specific positions, you know, yeah, third and fifth is a six. That's right. So um, he's really good at drafting receivers. We'd agree on that, right? I mean, y- yes, they they do the a Steel- darn good job. Yeah. The Steelers are like a wide receiver factory. And even though you have a guy like James Washington, who might be a little bit of a late bloomer, I think he's turning it on. He's becoming, but then you get like Deontay Johnson who really impressed in his rookie season, especially in the second half and Juju Smith Schuster and Antonio Brown and Emmanuel Sanders and Mike Wallace. I could keep going. You get the picture. They know how to draft receivers. I'd also go as far as saying they're really good at drafting offensive linemen in the very late or undrafted rounds. Ramon Foster was undrafted. BJ Finney, Kelvin Beecham was, I think, a sixth or seventh round pick. Matt Filer was undrafted. Alejandro Villanueva, they got him off the uh, waiver wire after the Philadelphia Eagles cut him as a defensive player. They can find talent in specific positions, and then there's some positions they are awful. What's number one, Lance? You know it. What's number one? Defensive backs. Yes, yes, yeah. So I think that for some reason, and maybe it's a scouting department, what do you think? Well, how do you get good at drafting certain positions and so bad at others? Who do you point the finger at? Is it the scouts? Is it the coaching staff? Is it the general manager himself? What are your thoughts? 
my theory on a wide receiver position is because the coach played the position. You know, when you've played the position, you have an idea of what it takes to succeed at the position, what it looks like, how a player runs routes, so on and so forth. Position, I think it makes it easier to evaluate. Um, so I think that's why they're good at the wide receiver position. It, I think it's just the eyes that they have looking at the players. So I think it is the scouting department is, you know, you have eyes for certain positions. Like I'm sure in lacrosse, you could look at certain players and you can get a visual perspective and say that player can play this position. He would be, he or she would be outstanding doing this. That works for me with baseball and it works for me with basketball. I could just look at guys and go, nah, he can't play. He's a role guy. Yeah. You could fit him here. He can do this. And, I, and that's just because of the way I see the game. So my, I think it's probably who you have in the building uh, doing in your scouting department. Do you have a nice balance of defensive guys, offensive guys, special teams guys, guys that have played different positions? So I would think the issue would be scouting. But interesting that you talked about the wide receiver position because my brother, uh, who's a fan of that team up north, Mm-hmm. He complains that as good as Belichick is, oh, they, they couldn't find receivers. A, they can't drive. They can't draft receivers. Yeah. I mean, they, they can't do it at all. So, you know, you just have your sweet spot in terms of what you can see. They do a great job of drafting defensive linemen. He said they could draft a defensive lineman with three blindfolds on and just stick their hand out and they'll grab two and they'll be productive. So it's what you what you're good at coaching. Also, which is the other part, you, you can identify that a coach to talent. So, you know, yeah. there's probably a gap in, in the coaching and scouting departments. Yeah. And so I think that, you know, it'll be interesting for me with Terrell Austin in the fold now. You know, how does Justin Lane play in year two? I mean, that was his. He was he was around for that that draft class last year. And so Justin Lane was his first pick under his tutelage, I guess, if you want to call it that. And Tom Bradley is still new to the coaching staff going into his third year. So in terms of a secondary, eh, we'll see if maybe things change. We'll see. Um, Well, having Minka Fitzpatrick back there helps. And a lot of people in the live chat are saying, hey, we have a first round pick. We just got him a year late. And that's Minka Fitzpatrick. No one's going to complain about Minka Fitzpatrick and where the Steelers should be drafting in the third round. No one's going to complain because you have Devin Bush. So keep that in mind. But to bring it full circle back to the initial question, which is the headline of the episode is. I'm still excited for the draft. I'll still watch the first round a because what if the Steelers trade into the first round, which you never know. I doubt it because it would take a lot of stock that they don't have. They'd have to start dipping into future years, but you don't want to do that too often. So I don't think that's really a possibility, but you never know. And I have to be prepared as part of my job in case that happens. So I'm still going to watch because for me, who is left every year? There's those players that they, they projected to go in the first that drag onto the second. And you're watching, right, man, if this right, guy could right. fall to Pittsburgh at two, it would be awesome. There's always, always intrigue around the NFL draft for me. Even if the Steelers, I, I just find it fascinating how teams evaluate. There's always that pick that make people go, wait, what? Wait, say that again? They picked who? Where? It's just like when they, um, oh my gosh, I'm drawing a blank on the, the Bears quarterback uh, from North Carolina. Trubisky. When they when the Bears traded up for Trubisky, I'm like, holy crap! Did they just, <laughs> they just sold the farm to get this guy who's not even that good? And Mahomes went after him. Yes, like 15. <laughs> yeah, 
You know what? You know how pissed be. off you'd be if you were a Bears fan. <laughs> yes, you'd be you'd be pretty upset. You know what would be interesting if the Steelers gave up the second and traded back for like oh. multiple thirds. Steeler Nation would explode. Yes, Steeler Nation would explode. Guard the bridges. Traded. Guard the bridges. Oh my goodness, that would be drama. That would be absolute drama. But you said something interesting, Jeff, in terms of them moving to the first round and dipping into future cap years, not cap years, draft years for draft assets to move up. Normally, I would say no, but riddle me this, Jeff. I want to get your take on it. I wouldn't mind if they did it because a, if, you're in a win now mode. Yes, because if Bionic Big Ben is back, all those bees, Bionic <laughs> Big Ben is back. If the Bionic one is back, you've got to go all in because the one thing that's the hardest thing I think in sports to find is a franchise quarterback, franchise-changing quarterback like a Patrick Mahomes, now that Kansas City is identified, and like the Steelers did 16 years ago, 17 years ago with Bionic Big B. If you can, if, if you, you got to sell out to continue to win if you think that guy is healthy, and I wouldn't mind if they dipped into future years to get him whatever he needs to try to get that seventh Lombardi. Well, you know, the funny thing is, and it's different, it's a different sport and it's a different, uh, I guess you would say philosophy in terms of moving your roster around. But in the NHL, you can see the Penguins, the Pittsburgh Penguins, who I follow, are certainly doing this with Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin. They realize that they are on the back half of their of their contracts. They're on the back half of their careers and they will sell future to win now. They realize that you have a general two generational talents on the same hockey team and they'll trade. Hey, next year's first. You can have it. Take it. I don't care. We want this player that's going to help us win right now this year because we think we can win a cup. And there's something to be said about that. And I wonder if if Ben Roethlisberger can come back and he can come back healthy enough that they feel that he is capable of keeping this team afloat and winning a championship. I would say they should go all in. Just do it. Well, let me Push ask all your you chips this. through the middle. Because yeah. hey, listen to this though. If you if you don't, if you let's say you win one out of two, let's say he plays two more years and you win one. Okay. You he goes off into the sunset and all of a sudden you suck. Guess what you're gonna get? You're gonna yeah. get some high draft picks. Yeah, yeah, you're gonna get a top five draft pick. Yes. And you, and you might suck and then be able to get Trevor Lawrence. Wouldn't that work out? <laughs> Wouldn't that work out? Yeah, <laughs> it like, would work out. Like, it's not going to work out, but it it's would not work going out. To work out. Nice. Let me ask no. you though. Let me ask you, Jeff, just to stay on that line for another question: Are they in sure. that mode now? Did the Minka Fitzpatrick trade indicate that they're in that mode now? That they're willing to sacrifice some future assets to get really good to be able to go after this championship with Bionic Big B? On the roster. Big up the tie. Yeah. It's it's tough because when that trade happened, the same week that Ben Roethlisberger was deemed to be ruled out for the year, I can't think that for the life of me, Kevin Colbert said, we need to make this trade because Ben only has a few years left. I think the Steelers organization was like, look, our defense needs to get better. And if Ben can't come back, we need to have a defense that's going to be able to keep us relevant and keep us competitive. I think that was the underlying theme there. 
And then they said, if Ben can come back and if he can be the, the quarterback that we're used to seeing, the defense will be in place. So they trade up to get Devin Bush in the draft. They trade for Minka Fitzpatrick. Ben's back throwing a football. We, he's only throwing one, but I'm still happy about it. He's throwing a football. He's ready to go. I would not be shocked if you see them make more moves. Maybe not. I, I think I think their best bet, in my opinion, is, is trade. Free agency is going to be too expensive. Try to make a trade. Trade someone that you think would have any type of, you know, you, you try to sell sell high, buy high, I guess. But that that's the thing. Everyone wants to bring up trades, and I know I just did it, but it, you have to have a, a trading partner, number one, another franchise that's willing to part with a player, and you got to have someone that you think is going to be valuable coming back to you. So just, I, I don't know. Just, just, just you're, 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 this line has just opened up some questions for me. I'm just, <laughs> you know, this, I'm just, I'm just, this has got my mind going. I'm thinking about some questions. Sure. Where, and, and since we're talking about the draft, where, where do you think they had Minka ranked on their draft board? It had to be really, really high for them yeah. to pull this trade and him to be available. Like hot, like best defensive player. Best defensive back in the draft. I mean, it had to be really high because they never do this. That trade was so uncharacteristic. Yeah. Of so he had to have been one of the top five, top ten players on their board, maybe top defensive player. He had to be really high. I know that Tomlin loved him from the first time he met him, and they, I think that he would I guarantee he's top five overall a top five defensive player on their board and probably top 10 overall on their board. And that includes if you're ranking the quarterbacks that are available, even though you know, you're not going to get them. Um, he's that good. And we saw how good he is. I don't think anyone in Pittsburgh is saying, man, I, I wish that uh, I wish they wouldn't have made that trade because you have a proven commodity an all pro player. And that that's what it comes down yeah. to here. Folks. Yeah. You have an all pro player. So when the Steelers are supposed to pick 18th in the first round, I'm going to publish an article that says, congratulations, Steeler fans, Minka Fitzpatrick, your first round draft pick, all pro safety. We'll throw in some highlight reels. Enjoy it. Sit back to have your beverage of choice and enjoy the fact that in year three, which by the way, is still young year three, you're going to have a great, great safety and that you don't have to worry about. Will he develop? Will he be ready? He's ready. I got a challenge for you. And according to no Brad way. Jewett, Tomlin said that Minka Fitzpatrick was top five on their board. I don't, you know, I'm just going to take him at his word that that's the case. But I got okay. a challenge for you in the graphics department. Can you mm -hmm. take his old draft photo that Minka Fitzpatrick did and superimpose a Steeler hat onto no, his be head? Interesting. That that'd be pretty <laughs> great. Like the steel, whatever the draft cap was for that yeah. year. That would be and, a good image. That'd be a great image. If you could that pull that off, that'd be that. great to go for the article. Absolutely. So we'll see. Um, Minka Fitzpatrick, and I don't want to spend too much time. Was like you said, we're going down a rabbit hole that can just keep going. Yes, <laughs> you can just it, keep going. As so, it has. <laughs> I don't think it's been bad. It's been good. To, it's been good discussion. <laughs> yes. um, but you know, the underwear Olympics are going to be happening in prime time. That's the NFL Combine, and. I know you're not going to watch. I'm going to be doing a podcast tomorrow on the first night during it, so I'm not going to be able to watch that at all. But, Lance, what are your thoughts on the Combine in terms of how much stock would you put into it? 
I think the two biggest things you get out of the combine is the medical. You want to get the medical information. You want to get true measurements on the players and you want to get the medical information. You want to see if they're healthy, what their physical state is as you go into drafting those players. You got to ensure that they're healthy and you got to get your medical people looking at them. So I think medical is, is essential. And I think you want to, I think the psychological evaluation is important as well. I think a lot of the football stuff you can glean from film, but you want to kind of see what type of person or individual that you're going to be including into your building, into your family, because you don't want to in- inject the wrong type of personality types into your family. It could ruin the whole thing. And you want to identify highly competitive people. And you want to identify people that want to play football and who love the game. So I think the interview process is very important as well as the medical. A lot of the football stuff you can get from film. I, I think um, what was the guy named Mike Mamula? Was that the was that the combine wonder from the Eagles years ago? I think he played for I, Boston College. I think and his right. combine numbers were outstanding and he was a bust. I think the mistake that teams place they make is they place too much value on the workout. You know, look at the film get a medical, get the true measurements of a guy and try to assess a guy's FBI and his competitive nature. If the guy loves the game, if he's willing to compete and he wants to put his all into the game. I think if you do those things, the combine is really valuable. To me, the Steelers have both ends of the spectrum here. And in both cases, they use combine results to really boost players up their board. Bud Dupree, Bud Dupree was a combine freak because he is an athletic freak for his size, his speed, his strength, his agility. It's clear. I mean, it's right there for you. He's, he was raw as all get out coming out of Kentucky. Didn't even have a position coach. Steelers said, look at that. We're going to take him. And they didn't think he would even be around. Bud Dupree thought he was going to Atlanta. That's why he wore a red suit and everything. When he, he dropped to Pittsburgh, I was like, shoot, Bud Dupree will take him. Then you have T.J. Watt at the other end of the spectrum, a guy that didn't have a lot of experience in college playing as a pass rusher. A lot of people said, ah, his combine results. He's just a combine hero, kind of to the same effect as the player you mentioned from Philadelphia. Pittsburgh says, ah, we love this kid's athleticism. He's a Watt. He's got the pedigree. That's something the Steelers have put some stock in the past three or four years in terms of like Edmonds. Um people that have families that have played in the NFL. And then TJ Watt explodes period. And from the moment he stepped on the football field, even as a rookie, he was a difference maker, whether it was interceptions, pass defenses, getting to the quarterback, obviously last year having 13 and a half sacks. I can see both ends of it. I can see putting too much stock into the physical attributes that you see in the, in the underwear Olympics. And I can also see the fact that sometimes they need to have that chance to prove themselves in a one-on-one setting. It, it's a fine line. It is a very fine line that these scouting departments have to walk in regards to how much stock do you put into it. But I agree with you, the medical stuff, the interviews that they go through, some of the questions that they ask these players, someone should be out. Some Someone should be taken to task for that. Um, have you heard some of the stuff that these guys get asked? Like, yeah, it's absurd. I heard, I heard some absurd. of the questions. I heard some of the questions that, uh, the guy from Miami asked Des Bryant, I, and I was surprised that Des Bryant didn't kill the guy. <laughs> well, you know, but what's he gonna do? Yeah. You get so angry, you hit a guy, you're done. 
Yeah. You're done. Right. You're blackballed. Done. We know how the yeah. NFL works. Yeah. I mean, that was some of those questions were like, wow. Like, I'm going to tune you up in the hallway. Yeah. <laughs> Let me it, get you in the bathroom stall. It's it's on. This isn't Wonderlick stuff. This is the inappropriate personal questions that you're thinking like, wait, what? You ask me what? Like, I, I, I understand you want to see my response. Maybe you want to see how I handle myself in certain situations, but you don't have to go there. And if you don't know what we're talking about, Google it. Yes. Period. Just it was Google really bad. I think the guy got in trouble, though. I think the guy in Miami ended up getting in trouble by the league for asking those questions. Because I think those questions that yeah. he asked Des Bryant was just completely he inappropriate. He should have been. Yeah, he, yeah, he, <laughs> yes. he, he, yeah, he, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so. I tell you, you know, this is you're talking about tangible stuff in regards to weight, strength, speed, agility. But at the same time, like you said, I'm not putting more stock in the comb on that AM game film. Right. You know, right. It's almost like sometimes you see that happen. You see people that are like enamored with this, the combine and, oh my gosh, he bench pressed this much. Okay. If he bench pressed that much, why does he get pancaked every five plays when you watch his game film? You know, just, I think film is more important. I know you agree with me. You know, so, one thing I would do, I, I would, I would try to mentally overload a guy with a ton of information just to see how much they could retain. Sort of like the blackboard test mm-hmm. when they give quarterbacks. So I just want to see under pressure how much information that they could actually retain and regurgitate because that's a critical skill in the NFL. You have so much limited time. You have such limited time to actually mentally process everything that you have to do in terms of a game plan. That's why there's always that give and tug in the NFL of, should we make it simple so guys can play fast or should we make it complex because of the famous adage in the national football league? If you're thinking you're stinking. So, you know, it's so I I would put guys under mental tests to see if they could, you know, just to see how much they could retain. And I try to identify what type of learners they are. Are they visual? Um, you know, are you the classic textbook learner? Are you a memorization guy? That's good. You know, I that, thought about that. That, that. That's the type of stuff that I would want to know because I want to identify what is the best way for you to retain information. That's really good. I think what if you take away anything from this little conversation we're having is that it is important. The combine is important, but the most of the stuff that's important, according to myself and Lance, is not being shown on television. No. You know, the stuff that you're watching on television is... It's it's fun to it's watch. For TV. I mean, yeah, it's for TV. Yeah, I love watching guys run the forty because I think it's 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 they're they're athletic freaks. You know, you watch these guys running like holy cow, that guy's flying. But at the same time, how often do you see a defensive lineman run a straight line for forty yards in a football game? <laughs> never, <laughs> never. <laughs> never, because they're taking off kickoffs. <laughs> so exactly, that's why. Yeah. That's the only Pretty time much, you see yeah. him run forty yards straight. Yeah. So, all right, now let's get to what's really important about the combine, and that is that head coaches and, well, for most teams, and general managers stand behind a podium and they answer questions from the media. Now, Mike Tomlin is one of, I believe, two, the other coach up north, that does not meet the media during the combine. Everyone else, uh, you hear, you're hearing quotes from all the coaches talking about their teams and their scouting departments and all you, not Mike Tomlin. 
But you did hear from Kevin Colbert. Kevin Colbert on Tuesday went to the podium, answered questions. And what was the very first question, Lance? I believe I called it on Sunday. What was the first question about? Ben Roethlisberger and Bionic Big Ben. The first question wasn't about a draft pick. It wasn't about a prospect. It was about Ben Roethlisberger's return. And he... He had to chuckle to himself. Like if I were Kevin Colbert, I would I would laugh a little bit. I'd be like, well, this is Pittsburgh, you know. This is this is it. Ben Roethlisberger. He kept on saying, you know, he put out that video, and I'm like, no, you idiot, you all put out that video. The Steelers put out that video. That wasn't Ben Roethlisberger. He, come on, it's all orchestrated. But anyways, he made a, a quote that I wanted to ask you about, and a lot of people question this. I could see his reasoning behind it, but it was basically after a year off essentially a year off from the wear and tear of his body. Even though he had a surgically repaired throwing elbow, we might see a better Ben Roethlisberger in 2020 Uh, uh, than in previous. Like, see, this is why we've been doing the show for so long. We picked up on the same, (laughs) the same same things. So what are your thoughts when you heard him say that? Are you thinking, boy, this guy is blowing some smoke or do you think maybe he's right? You know what? I, Given my personality, you know, we do the Homer and the Hater show on Sundays. I've learned to underpromise, right? And so you could be surprised by what it is. It tells me that they know a lot. More, well, they obviously know a lot more than we do. Yeah, but there, there, there's something. I don't know if fishy's the right word for him to come out and use that term they know something that we don't know. Like they're really confident. They, that hay might be in the barn already in in keeping with the B themes that hay might be in the barn. He might really be right. Already. You think think Ben's just ripping passes right now? Like he's just letting it loose, just ripping passes. I don't think he's letting it loose, but I don't think there was any way that Colbert did not know that he was going to throw a football because when he because when we knew that we knew he was going to be throwing it February 21st when he kind of intimated that I was like no they know for sure I I don't think Ben is ripping a football but I think Ben is probably a lot further along than than what's being reported and that's why he comes out that confidently and it's not just the words that he said. If you guys watch the video of the interview, oh, he felt good about it. Like it's like yeah. it's like when you know you're getting a bunch of money that's going to be cast in your account the next day, and you kind of <laughs> had a different walk, that little swag. Like, yes, I got some money coming, and it is coming tomorrow, and I know it. That's kind of how he felt. He like, look, I've deposited a big check, and um, guess what? Our guy is going to be back very soon. And man, you look at the timing of everything. You look at the timing of the throw, as we can call it now, this offseason, the throw, because <laughs> the he didn't throw. Like he, did, he didn't throw it anymore just in one singular, the, the throw. It all comes out right before the combine. And so, like you said, they know more than we do. That's obvious. No one's debating that. They know that Ben's probably a lot yeah, Ali says when you get that Friday paycheck. That's right, Ali. Coming up, two days. So you look at it and say, man, we're going to the combine. 
we're looking for we're looking for weapons. Now we're looking for weapons because seven's going to be back. We need weapons. We need to get another receiver out there. We need to get a tight end. We need to get an offensive line to keep seven healthy and upright. That changes everything. As a general manager, I got to feel like that. Like you said, it's like you're almost playing with house money at this point. You're like, yep, we got our guy back. He's going to be good to go. And now we got to get our team ready around him. That's the vibe that I got from Kevin Colbert. That's yeah, he felt yeah, he felt very positive. Think about it this way. Ben's your first round draft pick, right? You yeah. got actually your two first round pass picks are Ben Roethlisberger and Minka Fitzpatrick. Mm, so he's good. like, look, he's like, okay, <laughs> okay, those are our de facto two first round draft picks. Okay, let's hit on somebody in the second round. But think, but Jeff is is he being truthful? So, so from a a physical trainer perspective, when he talked about the no wear and tear, the impact that the positive impact that that could have on his rehab and, and just him because he's better healthy overall. It, was that factual? Did you find his comments? Yeah, factual? That, no, that it is factual. I mean, you look at a guy with the injury of history of Ben Roethlisberger, but knees, ankles, shoulder, ribs, head, neck. I mean, I could keep going wrist, thumb, <laughs> you know, ego. Yeah. All that stuff. I mean, he's had all these injuries throughout his career and they linger. They, they definitely linger. And even though there's an off season, even though, you know, he's on the golf course and he's relaxing when you get a year, a whole season where you're not playing. Yeah. There's going to be some rust, but at the same time, your body's getting a chance to actually heal. And I think this is why a lot of times you hear guys that are retired after that first season, they say they feel like they could come back and play. It's because their body is finally healing up. Now, Ben, the biggest question is, and, and someone said in our live chat a couple episodes ago, that this reconstructive surgery that he had done, the tendons being reconnected, could actually have his arm come back stronger. I don't know if that's factual or not. I don't know the surgery that he had. No one's ever said. Some assume it's Tommy John. Some assume it's something else. I don't know. But what I do know is that if his elbow is healthy, then what he said, Kevin Colbert, could be 100% true from a physical standpoint. The fact that he should be rejuvenated, he should he should be fresh. And you think of a guy like Ben, when was the last time he could probably say that? That he could be like feeling fresh going into a season? Year three. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> that was yeah, back maybe. when he was getting pummeled. He was getting yes, pummeled. Yes, yes. Like, nah, he hasn't. He had. And... and, and I, and I've heard and read stuff from different players that that's why repeating as Super Bowl champion is so difficult because you can't get healthy. You have a limited amount of time to get healthy from the end of the playoffs till that first OTA mini camp, and guys are getting surgery and rehab and rehabbing, and that time is really fast. So a lot of times, you know, teams that go deep in the playoffs are essentially coming back to camp still hurt from the previous season. And they never had a chance to really rest and get their body right. So although, you know, as fans, we want our teams to continually go deep in the playoffs and win every year, at a certain point, teams do need to recharge and actually get healthy so they can make a run over the next couple of years. Because, you know, like you said, Jeff, you know, these things add up on you physically and they take away from your overall health. But what also struck me was what he what Colbert talked about mentally, just about the hunger that he sees in Ben from Ben being on the outside 
you know, the outside looking in and kind of getting recommitted to the game and kind of learning the game and, and learning to love and appreciate the game again. That resonated with me more so than the physical part. And also from a perspective of just being able to watch film and evaluate your own play over the course of a season. Well, we, we never expected this to happen. We said that maybe he would enjoy time with his family. Maybe he would enjoy being away that the wear and tear on his body would, they would, he basically, I don't need this. What well, seems like if, if everything they say is true, it's the opposite. It is. He's realized how much he misses it and he wants to come back and prove that he can still play. And I guarantee he's heard the critics and the idiot, idiotic takes that are going out around the NFL network and stuff like that. Ben's ready to prove something. And that typically is good news for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And what but, Jeff isn't telling you guys is he got a call from Ben last week for <laughs> JH 12. Yeah. For, that, for the nightshade diet. So it would never be 12. It would be like 21 JH 21. And that's why Kevin yeah, Colbert wasn't, concerned too much about his weight because the nightshades were keeping the overall inflammation including yes. his, his belt size down and so <laughs> it was funny how kevin colbert just poo-pooed the weight stuff like i'm not worried about any guy's weight in the off season they'll figure it out <laughs> he just dismissed he just dismissed that one completely well, something that he didn't dismiss and a little bit of segue away from bionic big Ben is he kind of talked out of both sides of his mouth when referring to Bud Dupree and the franchise tag. He was asked, are you going to tag Bud Dupree? He says, I I'm not sure what our plan is right now. We have some time. And they said, are you planning on using the franchise tag? He says, I don't know. We'll see. Essentially. That's what he says. That's not verbatim. That's not an exact quote. Let me read. Let me read the quote. Cause I'm you actually looking at it. He said, go Bud ahead and created read. a great decision for us because he had a great season. And that's exciting where we go with that. Who knows? He's getting a feel for what the market would be. We're getting a feel for what, what the market would be. We're getting a feel for what our cap would be. We don't know, but we love having that option available to us. We want Bud Dupree to finish his career with the Pittsburgh Steelers. A lot of touching and feeling in that quote for one. <laughs> pause, pause. A lot of touching and feeling. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Um, he, he kind of says, I'm not sure if we're going to do it. He was asked earlier in the press conference about, um, you know, uh, we're not sure if we're even going to use a franchise tag. It, I think he wants him to finish his career in Pittsburgh. I don't know what to take of that. I think that they're going to honestly see what would we have to do to even create the space to franchise tag him yes. because they'd have to create over $16 million. And he might say that he wants him to retire a stealer. Like they want him to give him a new contract and keep him in Pittsburgh. I don't know. I don't know yeah, what who, they're doing. Yeah. Who, who, who knows? People are laughing at me in a live chat with the use of pause. I mean, that's just my hip hop in me. I mean, I grew up with the pause language. If you're if you're an old school hip hop fan, you understand what the pause language is. That's just my old. I, I can't outlive it. So, you know, when I say and hear curious things, I always go pause. So, you know, it's just it's just it's just the pause language. But, Jeff, you want me to give the listeners since we talked about the tag, you want us to break it down in terms of the tags and what they are and what you think when they're talking about the tag, what they would give Dupree. Yeah, sure. Go for it. 
So there, there, there are a couple of tags, you know, when it comes to these guys. It's, it's, it's the non-exclusive franchise tag, which is the most expensive, and which rarely happens. I mean, that, that, that rarely happens. And so the compensation for the non-exclusive franchise tag, which means a player can't negotiate with any other team, and uh, you know, you basically don't lose that player. I mean, you, you, and if somebody wants to get that player, it, it's, it's next to impossible. Then you have the exclusive franchise tag. It's the one-year tender offer for the amount no less than the average of the top five salaries at that position or 120% of a player's previous salary. Whichever is greater, the player's team has all negotiation rights to the players. The bump in pay scale, current average salary versus average five years of data means only that the creme de la creme get this tag. Think of Drew Brees or Von Miller. And so going to overthecap.com, some of the numbers for the franchise tag for the linebacker position would be 16.2 as opposed to the transition tag, which is 14 million. And the transition tag is the lowest of the tags. And it just described of us. Think of this as you are pretty good and we might want to keep you but aren't willing to put a ring on you ourselves tag. The transition designation is a one-year tender offer to a player for the amount of the average top 10 salaries as opposed to the top five. And in this particular year, given that it's in the last year, I believe that teams have can utilize both tags, the exclusive and or the transition tag, because it's the last year of the CBA. Of those two tags, what makes the most sense to you? You know, I brought up the I brought this up in a an article with Dupree and hey, this is uh, Monday or Tuesday about a possible tag and trade option where they could put the franchise tag on the exclusive rights franchise tag and then say, Hey, we're going to try to trade him now. And it's happened twice in the past two seasons. I think uh, with a couple pass rushers in the NFL, I think uh Clowney was a, was a tag and trade. Wasn't he? I'm not sure. Okay. It's happened. It's happened more frequently than it hasn't in recent years. So I'm thinking maybe that that's an option. If not, I think they're just going to do the standard exclusive rights franchise tag. I don't think they're going to try to mess around with anything else. Lance, do you agree or disagree? Yeah, that's what they'll probably do. I mean, if you're going to go out and tag them and commit to keeping them, then you're going to do the exclusive franchise tag. You're going to try to control whether that player has a power to negotiate with other teams. Yeah, it, I, I'm all in for the tag, tag and trade. The problem is, is that you have to have a trading partner that is willing to do two things. One, have enough cap space that they can take on that franchise tag. And two, want to give them a long-term contract. And that's, that's the critical the thing, thing about the tag is you have to have the space. Right. You can't tag them and then make the space. The space has to be available. So you, you'll you be able to read through the tea leaves if the Steelers are trying to do that because they will be waiving players prior yeah. to do well, that. Well, they're going to they have to. They're they don't have, have the to. space. Yeah. So you'll, 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 the writing will be on the wall, so to speak, if, if they're going to use the tag for Bud Dupree. I'm on record, and I have previous shows. Yeah, I said it's where – they should not tag Bud Dupree. I think tagging Bud Dupree would be a mistake. Yeah, there you go. Hey, Kevin Johnson with a shout-out to Lance. What's up, my man? North yeah, side. I see you. I see you, Kevin. Yes, Manchester, baby. Chester County. Manchester Elementary School. Yes. 15212. 
I feel like I should shout out my elementary school now. Elm Grove <laughs> Elementary, 2603. What up, Wheeling? What's your <laughs> Yes. Just yes. not the same. I don't know what's I yes. don't know what's going on. <laughs> you got you, you you're just like Pittsburgh South. I mean, essentially. Hey, you said it yourself. Don't mess with West Virginia fans. Yeah, West man. Virginia Steelers fans are on record. <laughs> it is a fact. Hashtag fact. West Virginia Steelers fans are absolutely crazy. Yes. Yes, we are. Let's get to one more thing about Kevin Colbert. This was not in his press conference that I saw. It is all about the interview he did with Missy Matthews of Steelers.com in which she brought up someone that no one is talking about. There you go. Shout out to Queens from Ezra. Very nice. There you go. Um, She brought up an injured player that no one's talking about. Everyone's talking about Ben Roethlisberger. Everyone's talking about Bud Dupree. What are they going to do? Hello, Stefan Tuitt. Torn pectoral muscle, missed the entire the missed the entire season. Kevin Colbert said he's looking good. He's on track to be back in the offseason workouts. They're really excited about having him back. How important is Tua to this team and him being healthy in 2020? Oh, it's absolutely important. He he's your replacement for Javon Hargrave. I mean, yeah. he, that that that's your Hargrave replacement. They're gonna kick somebody inside, um, and 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 they're gonna have wreck it. And, and to it bring damage on the inside. So you you they're going to want in, in some sort of package they're going to try to replace his snaps with to it. So they have to get to it back. And, and for the cap hit that to it it cost them, he he has to return. And the unfortunate thing about to it is to it it feels like has always been on the verge of becoming the guy that they think he is, the guy that he's being paid. And I mean, with the $15 million cap hit, he better be that guy. So I'm glad to, I'm glad that I heard in that interview that they said that he was on track and they expect him to be a participant in most of the offseason stuff. I think that's great news for that defense because I think it's, it's, it's a foregone conclusion that the grave digger played his last snap for the Steelers a couple of months ago. Sad, but true. So to it, man, there's something about that guy as a trainer, these upper body injuries, you know, you had the elbow and, you know, double HH says, I agree. West Virginia fans are more insecure than regular. You know, they are more insecure. You know why they don't have a team of their own. And so because they cling, you know, here I am, uh, it was a quick sidebar living in Wheeling. If you don't know where Wheeling, West Virginia is, it's a little piece of West Virginia that's pinched between Ohio and Pennsylvania. Growing up, I could be in Ohio in five minutes and Pennsylvania in 10. Okay. And so you kind of are right in the middle. And so no one went to Ohio for fanhood because why would you? <laughs> no one wants yeah. to be a Browns <laughs> fan or a Bengals fan. You went to Pittsburgh and that's that's who you rooted for. All those teams up up there in Western PA. You don't have your own team. You're you're almost looked at as a second class citizen, but we're we're gonna show you that we are a diehard fan. We're nuts. We're crazy. Jeff's We're right. Jeff's yeah. right because I know, you know I'm right. I'm from there. <laughs> Jeff's absolutely right because you know in, in Pittsburgh we we do look at cats from West Virginia as second class citizens. Like I, it's like it's really bad. Like it's really bad. Like like if you're from Pittsburgh, like you absolutely know. Like it's just terrible. They would make West people from West Virginia the butt of every joke. Like it was just a regular phrase. Ah, oh, you must be from West Virginia. Sad I mean, like anything. True. Like with anything, it was sad but true. But you know, if you needed some fans to have your back at a Steeler game, you, you find those West Virginia fans. <laughs> find the West Virginia fans. 
<laughs> oh my gosh. The West Mary, Mary Fox says W is a big college party town from my heard. Yes, Morgantown, West Virginia is a party capital. They know how to do it there. I didn't go to school there, went to several parties there. They know what they're doing. We'll put it that way. We'll yes, put it that copious way. amounts of bros. Yes. Yeah, so okay. Let's talk about one more topic and maybe we'll answer some questions if we have time. Um the collective bargaining agreement has been crazy. Uh, let's get, let me give you the rundown and where we are now. And then I will get your thoughts and feelings on everything Lance. So the NFLPA and their representatives and the NFL had been meeting for months and then the NFL passed the first proposal. The owners passed it, um, had majority rule, majority vote. Not everyone voted for it, by the way, keep that in mind. I doubt Jerry Jones wanted to give the players another penny, and so they voted, passed, goes to the NFLPA. A lot of people assume that when that happened, that was the very first proposal. No, it might have been the first official proposal. They met for months because they didn't want to go back and forth. And the players let it be very clear what they wanted. The owners made it very clear what they wanted. They came together. They thought they had a good package set up. The players look at it and they say, well, this isn't exactly what we thought it was. We're not going to take the deal. They want to go back to the negotiating table, which happened uh, Tuesday night. Four-hour meeting. A four-hour meeting. And a lot of reports are coming out that Aaron Rodgers was upset in the meeting because he wants more time off in the offseason, which I laugh at. But anyways, um, a lot of players are upset. A lot of big-name players are upset. And for a lot of reasons, but it's it passed the the player representatives and now it's going to the players. So every single NFL player, over two thousand players, will get to get to vote online whether they are for or against the collective bargaining agreement. If it passes, we have labor peace for probably another ten years. If it doesn't, then the 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 reality of the situation is the likelihood of them getting a deal done before March eighteenth, which is the self imposed deadline that the owner said. They're going to have to try to get a deal done after 2020 and hope that there's no lockout. Everyone that I've read that's in the know on this situation says if it gets to that point, expect a lockout. And that's going to be bad for business, for us, for the, the BehindTheSealCurtain.com. No one wants that. So a lot of people think that this will get done because these middle mid middle tier players they want that pay increase that was promised. They want they're okay with that extra game because it's another paycheck. They're okay with the expanded playoff format because if their team gets in, they get more money. They're okay with the benefits and the college tuition reimbursement. There's so much more than a 17-game schedule and expanded playoffs in the CBA. But Lance, go ahead. What are your thoughts on the collective bargaining agreement? Uh, there's probably going to be a lockout. Yeah, there, the, yeah I mean, I, it's just... I mean, when you're negotiating with an entity that gives you a timeline of which you could have the deal done, like we're going to tell you we need a deal by March 18th, there's probably going to be a lockout. I mean, I, I I just knew. I mean, we've lived through a couple of these. It just doesn't behoove you to sign the deal a second sooner. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't care if I had everything. You just wait until the last minute to see if you could squeeze out more things from the owners. I mean, you just take it to, I mean, you, it, you don't lose anything from negotiating to the very last minute. So that's what they're going to do. They're going to take all the time that they need to hammer out this negotiation and they could have a deal done 
They might not, but they're going to take all the time. And if a deal gets signed, it'll get signed on March 16th so they could celebrate and have brews on St. Patty's Day on March 17th. Here, here's my issue. So I don't know if you saw the video, but Marquise Pouncey went on his Instagram stories and just went off on how he thinks the CBA is trash. He even trashed the NFLPA representatives. And I, I want to say, like, okay, Pouncey, are you going to are you are you going to these meetings? Are you volunteering your time to be a player rep? Because, like I said at the beginning of this segment, the players, the representatives, and the NFLPA and the NFL owners have been meeting for months, for months to talk about some of these issues. And just now you're going to be upset. Like that's a disconnect. I don't buy. If you were that invested, if you were that angry, why aren't you there? Why aren't you showing up in support of the players and the players rights and all this stuff? I I don't get that. I don't get it at all. You know, I'm part of a union and I'm an active part of the union because That's my voice in things like contract negotiations. And if I don't vote and if I don't attend meetings and, and, or watch online, because they have them all online, then what am I doing as a part of the union? You know, I can sit there and complain. I've always said this my whole life. It it's easy to sit there and complain. It's another to come up with a solution to the problem. So I don't want to hear these players whining and moaning about millions of dollars when this was negotiated by your representation. I don't get that, man. I don't know. I mean, I mean, you're part of a union. I mean, everybody's voice isn't necessarily heard. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's it's just interesting, you know, what Reed Overhand talks about it, that Ramon Foster is the rep and defended the process while Pouncey mouthed off. I mean, maybe Pouncey did not agree to the terms at which, you know, maybe he just didn't agree. Maybe he's been informed and he did not agree. I mean, I wouldn't want to I wouldn't want to assume that his disagreement is based on his absence. It just might mean he just doesn't yeah. agree. And, that, and that's right. I mean, no one's going to agree on everything in any type of union negotiation. But at the same time, like if you feel that strongly about it and if you've watched the video, not safe for work, by the way, some language in that video, then do something about it. You know, I mean, go out there and, and say to Foster, hey, I'm going to come to the meeting with you. I want to voice my concern because Aaron Rodgers supposedly did that. Like you and can see, do this that. Is what they're, and this is what they're doing. So, yeah, I mean, you know, that's how it works kind of now. You you can, if, if you make a, enough noise via social media, th- that's your negotiation, right? And they're still in the negotiation period. So he realizes that he can use his platform in social media to hopefully push the negotiation in a certain way. Because I, I think guaranteed they're going to take all the time. I, I'm just pretty sure. I mean, that's just how my mind thinks that they're going to take all the time. And if they get a deal, it'll be at the last minute. The NFL loves the news. So it'll just be news for the NFL just for the for it's really dead that that season. I mean, this is the NFL. It'll get done, but it, it will get done in the time that it gets done. And I think that'll be March 16th at 1250 at 1159 p.m. <laughs> I want to make sure that everyone understands like when I just, what I just talked about in no way, shape or form has anything to do with how much these players get paid. In my opinion, you have a skill set that is valuable and you take it and you maximize that skill set. Players should be paid as much as they can get. I've talked about players that are my financial heroes, guys like Matt Flynn, 
Guys like Kirk Cousins, who we talked about right before we went on the air. Ryan These guys Switzer. Are work- yes, it, exactly. <laughs> They're working the system. They have a skill set, albeit maybe not the best. They have a skill set that has gotten to that level, and they deserve every penny. I am not comparing them to me or to you or to anyone out there listening or watching. It's all about, in my opinion, how these negotiations have gone on. And there's definitely a disconnect between the representation and the players. And that's what needs to be fixed because a union's only as strong as they are together. And they're not together right now. So that's, that's, the issue I have just want to break that up. So, all right, Lance. And, and, and and we have a skill set that's unique. And if you guys keep hitting the like button, Ah. maybe we can, maybe we can yell at each other when Jeff is trying to negotiate with said company that we represent. And I'm like, nah, man, I need more time off. I don't want to do 12 (laughs) shows a week. I need more time off. Yeah. So, because you know we're going to probably be going to 15 shows soon. No, so. no, no, no. We have a good schedule. We have a good schedule. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, hey, speaking of the platforms, everyone's been sticking with us. You know, we're still doing a great for the off season. This is as best we've ever done in the off season. So we still have a lot of people in the live chat. We had over 100 uh, more than one occasion here tonight on this show. So we appreciate everyone for sticking with us because really there is no off season in the NFL. It's just the month of February. And then that turns into a lead into the draft. And then you get free agency, you get the schedule comes out then you get the draft itself. OTAs, mini camp summer. Next thing you know, they're back to camp and we're going to be there every step of the way. So Lance, why don't you uh, send us out? And as always listeners tune in, tell a friend and subscribe. We will see you next week for another episode of the standard is the standard. Have a good one, everybody.